Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Winfred Burns uh, with the Word on Wednesday. And once again, we are here. Good evening, uh, Melanie. How are you doing? Once again, we are going through the book of Second Samuel. I was just mentioning early on that we began our journey in First Samuel about this time last year. And the reason why I like to go straight through a book is it allows us to study in context so we can see what God is doing over a period of time and specifically what, what we, his, how his plan unfolds. I think a lot of times when um, we look at topical Bible studies or topical messages, we get a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the other, but we fail to see the big picture. And so as a preacher and a teacher of the expository method, um, as a matter of fact, my degrees are in expository preaching, uh, I choose, I, I believe that that's the best way to really tell the story of God, to really deliver the message of God, to rightly divide the word of God. Nothing against the topical method. As a matter of fact, I was I cut my teeth on topical preaching, uh, and, but uh, I really, really have found that when you really just take your time and go through the story and go through the scripture, you, you'll, you're richly rewarded. So tonight, um, I need to say something up front, uh, and that is there's going to be some sensitive material covered tonight, and I'm going to try to handle it in a, a sensitive way because I know that what we're going to deal with tonight is the rape of Tamar. And when we begin to talk about rape, um, I know that a lot of my sisters, um, some of my some of my brothers even, have um, been taken advantage of in this way, and a lot of them have healed. But sometimes when you've been hurt that way, it leaves a mark, and some of some folks have not even healed from it. As a matter of fact, in Many times, a whole lot of people just bury it down deep. And so I want to really be sensitive tonight. I, I want you to know that I'm sensitive to what uh, you've experienced, and I want to let you know that God is a healer and that if you open up your heart and lift up your hands to him, that he'll pour in that healing oil. Um, and then I'm going to encourage you that if you've never sat down with anybody, a Christian counselor, on that subject, that you would get that you would go and see a counselor and help you heal up from that um again very very good evening Helima I'm very very sensitive to what's going on you know in that area so when we cover off on this subject of Tamar's rape understand that I'm going to do it in a very very sensitive sensitive as, as sensitively as possible but in such a way that um that 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 I just want to be tender with it. I really want to be tender with it, and and I'm not the most tender person in the world sometimes. So, you know, be praying with me as we handle this this subject tonight. Amen. Um, now let's pray and let's get let's get get into our lesson tonight. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you, Father. As I've already said to those who are in our Bible study tonight, that this deals with some sensitive material. Father, make me, help me to be very, very careful because I don't want any of your sons or daughters hurt. I don't want any of them uh, um, to to have to relive a nightmare. I don't want any of them to to just run and cringe and the devil take opportunity with them. Father, I pray a spirit of peace over them tonight. I pray, Father, that for those who've never confronted the issues of in their lives, uh, maybe some uncle or some 
some man took advantage of them early on in life. I pray, Father, that you would be with them tonight, that you would wrap your loving arms around them and that you would show them that you are there and that you would provide healing for them. Oh, God, help us tonight to hear by your spirit. Help us tonight, God. Help your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. And as usual, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the message for you is that your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And just like with forgiveness, you have to accept the forgiveness. And how do you accept the forgiveness? You go, to, you go and as God has offered you forgiveness, you go and say, I want your forgiveness, God. And you say, say to him, I, you know, you have to accept it by faith. And you say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins that I might have the forgiveness of God. And I ask him to be my Savior. And if you do that, if you do that, if you accept God's forgiveness, if you accept God's gift of forgiveness that's given through his Son, Jesus Christ, and you and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus did die for your sins. If you say that to him tonight, you're saved. And then what do I want you to do? I want you to find another Christian. I want you to find a church. I want you to find a pastor. I want you to find somebody and say, look, I accepted God's forgiveness. I confessed my sins, and I asked Jesus to be my Savior. Now, what do I do? And they'll take you and they'll explain salvation to you in a more perfect way. They'll show you how to begin to walk with the king and how, to, how, how as they say, the privileges of sons and daughters. They'll show you that. So if you have done that tonight, we say welcome to the family of God. you got a whole bunch of brothers and sisters. Amen, amen. Now, let's get into our lesson. And tonight... There's a couple things that we're going to do. The first thing that I need to explain to you is a term. And it's not a, it's not a Christian term, by the way. It's not a biblical term. It's called retrograde motion. And retrograde motion basically says, you know, uh, it's, it has a lot to do with planets. And what you do when you're revolving around the sun, when the planets are revolving around the sun, sometimes what you'll see them do is they'll go here and they'll stop and they'll go back and then they'll go forward again. That's called retrograde motion. So you see the planet going across, then all of a sudden it'll stop and go back, and then it'll go forward again. That's what we're going to be doing tonight. There is going to be retrograde motion. And why, do, why are we going to do that? Because everything is interconnected. We're going to move into two or three passages that are connected with each other, and they're connected to passages in the past, stuff that we recently just studied. And so, you know, and everything is connected together. Amen? So what we're going to do is we're going to start out with this retrograde motion. Last week when we, when, we, when we stopped, we stopped at chapter 12, verse 26. And I'm going to start reading at chapter 12, verse 26, and finish that chapter off. And it's not going to take us long to do it. But in order to put it into context, got to back up a little bit, okay? So, um, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 26. Ready? Let's go. Meanwhile, Joab fought against Rabah of the Ammonites and captured the royal citadel. Joab then sent messages to David saying, I have fought against Rabah and taken its water supply. Now muster the rest of the troops and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will take the city and it will be named after me. Now, where are we at? Well, in order to show you where we're at, go back to chapter 10. Go back to chapter 10. We're still fighting the Ammonites. Remember in chapter 10 where chapter 10 was the chapter where uh, Nahash dies, and his son Hunan takes over. And Hunan, uh, when when David sends the envoys over the ambassadors to make to to say, hey, you know what, we're we're friends. Let's you know, let's keep things going the way they're going. Remember, they cut they cut their beards and cut the robes and sent them back in shame. And so David had to deal with the Ammonites. 
That's that battle. And remember, the Ammonites called the people from Syria down, the Arameans. They called them down. And remember, we talked about that battle. How David defeated the Aramean. Um, I mean, uh, Joash walked into the trap between the Ammonites and the Arameans, and God delivered them. And then they went back, and then David uh, goes back, and they fight the um, the Arameans a second time because it. And they defeat them again, and then now, now they're after the Ammonites. And so what they've done in chapter 11, when it says this is the time that the kings go out to war, chapter 11, verse 1, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Reba. But David remained in Jerusalem. Well, during the time that David is in Jerusalem, when David and Bathsheba are going through their little changes, Joab is out, and he is besieging the city of Ramah. And that's where we pick up. At the, you know, Nathan has come in, they made the pronouncement, and now we pick up that battle because Joab has surrounded that city, and it's one of those nobody in, nobody out. He the, the, literally under siege. They're going to try to starve them out. And one way that they and this this battle has been going on for quite some time. We don't we can't specifically say how long, but we do know it's been going on for a long time. It's been going on for a long time because remember now when. Uh, it's it's easily more than a year. It's it's definitely more than a year because remember last week we talked about uh, from the time that um, that from the time that uh, Joab, uh, excuse me, from the time that David and Bathsheba get together and have the baby, a year has passed. When Nathan comes on the scene to indict him, a year a complete year has passed. And now, and now more time has passed. So it's probably about, you know, it could be as, as much as two years that they have that city surrounded. Uriah got, uh, died during that time period, during that two-year time period. So it's been, a, it's been a long time. It has been a long time. They besiege the city. They're starving them out. And the thing that breaks everything down is that Uriah finds out where the water supply is, and he captures the palace, and he captures the water supply. He calls David. David comes, and when David comes, when, when he calls for David, and it's kind of like, David, you better get over here because if I take this city, we're going to name it after me. And so David comes to complete the work. That's what we just read. And so now uh, in verse 29 it says, So David mustered the entire army, went to Reba, and attacked and captured it. He took the crown from the head of their king. Its weight was a talent of gold, and it was set with precious stones, and it was placed on David's head. He took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there consigning them to labor and saws and with iron picks and axe, and he made them work at brick-making. He did this to all the Ammonite towns. Then David and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. So what's happening here? What's happening here is David takes a city, he enslaves them. Now, hold on. Are you saying, Pastor, that even though David has been judged for the sin of killing Uriah and taking his wife, that he is still able to go forward in the name of the Lord. He, he's been forgiven. Remember what we talked about last week? That God will deal with your sin. And this is the introduction to the lesson. But you got to deal with the seed. Remember that. God deals with the sin. you got to deal with the seed. What does Galatians tell us? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The thing that we have to understand in, in, in this whole thing is that, you know, God can bless you even in the midst 
of you reaping from your sin. You've got an anointing on your life. And what does it say? The gifts and callings are without repentance. God doesn't repent for, for gifting you. God doesn't repent for, for endowing you with his power. But what happens is two things. Number one, number one, you've got to deal with your mess. You have to deal. I know a lot of preachers. I know myself. But there has been times when I have been in the middle of some sin, and God has continued to bless me, but my mess haven't gone anywhere. Mm -mm, no, I'm dealing with that. I've confessed it. I've, I fell on my face. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And he said, yeah, and I forgive you, son, and I still love you, but you've got to pay. You have to pay for that. You have got to, you, you, you're going to reap what you sow. And so the, the, it, it goes beyond just that, though, and that's what we're going to see tonight. That is what we're going to see tonight. Um, turn with me to, um, oh, where is that? Um, oh, Proverbs, and I've got it in my notes here. It's Proverbs chapter 17. Verse 13, Proverbs 17, 13. I want to show you something because sometimes people think that, you know, when, when we talk about the principles of reaping and sowing, that, okay, well, reaping and sowing just basically mean if I put my money in church that, you know, I'm going to get more out of it. No, read it in its entire context. That's Galatians, uh, I believe it's 6 and 7. When you read that passage in its entire context, it's saying God is not mocked. And so sometimes we're we're mocking God in our behavior. But let me let me drive it home a little bit better, and I'll drive it home this way. Turn over to Proverbs um, chapter. Uh, what did I say it was? All right, and it's good. But sometimes, where did I put that at? I think I said Proverbs chapter uh, seventeen. There it is. Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 17. It's Bible study, so you got to have your Bibles. I'm not going to give you all my opinion. I'm giving you the word of God. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 13. Look at what it says. If a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. If a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. And that's what we're going to see today, that evil is not going to leave. Uh, it's married to the word. Remember that retrograde move I told you about? It's married to the word that God gives uh, in chapter 12. Because what did he say? Chapter 12, verse 10. Go back to chapter, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10. Run over there real quick. Now, therefore, this is, this is God, through Nathan, pronouncing judgment on David for his sin. It says, now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Stop for a second. Well, wait a second. Hold it. What does that have to do with Proverbs? The passage in Proverbs says what? If a man pays back evil for good. Uriah had been nothing but good to David, and the character of Uriah shows up as good character by the way he comported himself when he was called from the battlefield back to the, back to the palace. And David tried to get him drunk, and he tried to, you know, give him the, pretend like he was giving him privileges. And why do you say Uriah had been nothing but good to David? Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago that Uriah was one of the 30. Uriah was a valiant warrior. Uriah had went forward, forward in battle on behalf of Israel, on behalf of David. Well, wait a second, hold on. He was going on behalf of himself. What was his name? Uriah the Hittite. He was not even, he was a foreign-born person 
who had settled with Israel, and now he's serving Israel. He's serving David as a valiant warrior. He does, he's counted with the 30 most prominent warriors in the land. And what, and what did David give him for his service? He gave him evil. And what is the sentence that he got? David got evil. Evil will never depart from your house. Evil will never depart from your house. That's what God says. And that's what God says to all of us, not just to David. When folk do right by you and you pay their right back with wrong, you open the door of your house to evil. Mm -hmm. You open the door of your house to evil. That's why it's important as Christians we know these things so we know, hey, wait a second, hold on. First of all, I'm supposed to be a blessing anyway. And when somebody's trying to bless me and I'm playing a blessing back with a curse, uh-uh, no, God don't like that. He doesn't like that at all. So we see now what's getting ready to happen because one of the things that we're going to learn tonight is that the word of the Lord is true. When God says he's getting ready to do something, his word does not come back to him void. We have a tendency to look at God's word always in the positive. We see the goodness of God. We see the blessings of God. But God is not somebody that we play with. Uh-uh. Because we have to learn how to see God in his fullness. And there is a side of God that we never want to see, and that is the side of God's wrath. Remember how it was when we were kids? We never want to see mom and daddy mad, no. When they got to the point where we had, as they say, they got out of pocket, and all of a sudden daddy started taking that belt off, or mama started looking around for that extension cord or that broom or that that, that, that handle that she had or whatever it was that, that we call them a strop. Oh, no, we didn't want that. And just like there's a loving side to us as parents, a loving side to your mother and your father, there's that wrath. Well, God's the same way. There's a side of wrath where he pronounces, and he is going to, he has pronounced over David, and now in chapter 13, even though he's just blessed David, oh, he's blessed him, now watch his words start to come true. Okay, now hang on with me. Chapter 13, verse 1. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became frustrated to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you look? Why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Hmm. I want us to look at some things here. First of all, look at the situation. First of all, who is Amnon? Amnon is David's oldest son by Ahinoam, the Jezreelite. Amnon is the heir apparent to the kingdom. Amnon's name means faithful. But Amnon's got a problem. And it's a problem that maybe you ladies can't aren't familiar with, but us brothers are. There are times when we see some sister, and she put the whammy on us. Oh, yes, they do. I mean, she ain't got to say nothing. She ain't got to do nothing. We don't have to know anything about her, but she could just walk by, and, oh, my God, your head get to swimming, and, and, and don't let them have some of that perfume and stuff on, and you don't, you don't, you'll lose your mind. And you're like, oh, that's me right there. That's me. Or like, like one brother I know, he looked up one day and I was there. I saw it. This brother didn't hardly talk. 
But this brother looked up and saw this girl, and she said, oh, good Lord. And his eyes seemed like they'd pop out. You sisters know y'all could do that to us. And this is what happened to her. He is so overwhelmed by this woman's beauty and her and the way she carries herself, that he falls in love with her. And he got one of them, I just got to have him. And the word that they use here for love is the word Ahab. The word Ahab. And what that word means, it does mean love, okay? But it's deeper than just love. It's Ahab, that's the Hebrew word. It means a strong emotional attachment, a, a strong emotional attachment for and desire to possess or to be in the presence of the object of love. Without getting next to her, without rapping to her, without going to dance with her, without going to a party, taking her out to dinner, he has this strong emotional attachment for his sister. Oh, that's bad news for his sister. And so he 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 he, he wants her so bad that it make, it make him sick. Now you say, now how can want somebody? You know, you y'all know what they. He's frustrated. Y'all know what that's all about. Now I know this happens to women too, and it, the, the frustration he is distressed. This word frustration that they use here, uh, I won't even go, I won't give you the Hebrew word because I can barely pronounce it, but. This word that they use for distress, I mean, for frustrated is he is distressed because of the boundaries. He's bound by something, and he is so frustrated that he can't go beyond the bounds, that he, that he can't do what he wants to do. And so because of this distressful behavior, he's frustrated. And he's so frustrated, that's all he could think about. He's so frustrated that, that this, oh, that's, oh, oh he, just want, he, he wants this woman so bad he don't know what to do. And he gets himself sick. And so he goes, Jonadab, who is his cousin, that's his cousin, okay? And listen, let me, say, let me see what he says. He says, Jonadab, I'm back in verse 3, was a very shrewd man. Now, the word that they use here for shrewd is usually translated wise. He's a very wise. He's a very crafty. He's a very intelligent man. But we need to, we need to understand that it's important that we distinguish between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. And when we, use, when we see this word, we don't see him being described in a very complimentary way. I mean, on the surface, you know, there's a lot of smart, worldly people out there. But we as Christians are not to revel in the wisdom of the world. Look, turn with me real quick to uh, James chapter 3. Because he's, you know, you have to be careful who you get your advice from. A whole lot of folk are going bad because they're getting their advice from the wrong source. A lot of us go and, we, you know, when we sit down, we talk to our, our friends and, and listen to them and take counsel from them. You need to stop listening for them because if they're not counseling you according to the word of God, then what you're getting is some worldly advice. A lot of people use that 12-step and five-step and four-step stuff. That comes from a man. You better get in the Bible and find out what the Bible says about your situation. You better get in front of God and say, Lord, I need a word from you. Because if I take a word from man, I don't know what I'm getting. Oftentimes we get thrilled because the only thing the natural man can do is minister to our flesh. Sometimes when you sit down and you say, should I leave my husband? Or, or should, I, should I go into debt for this car? And they say, well, if you can afford the payments or you, know, you don't need him and all that kind of stuff, you, you, better, you better walk away from him. 
Because what they're going to do is they're going to provide for you a, a temporary solution that satisfies your flesh and does nothing for your spirit, does nothing for your walk with God. And because it does not minister to your, as they say, it does not minister to your spirit, it does not come from the word, you need to treat that like it's some, like it's some, some sour milk or something. Pull that stuff out. Leave it alone. You don't want that. That stuff got poison in it. It's about to kill you. Turn to James chapter 3 and look at verse 13. Listen to this. Listen to this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in, in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Listen to this. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, and you're going to see Amnon's selfish ambition in a few minutes, selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Mark that down. Go over to Proverbs 4. Quickly. Ooh, I'm, I'm moving kind of slow tonight. Proverbs 4. Verse 5. God wants us to be wise. God wants us to, to be with wise people. But he wants us to be with the folk that have the wisdom from above. Not the earthly wisdom. Wisdom based on the word of God. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. But it costs all you have. Get understanding. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Turn to Proverbs, I mean, go to Psalms 111. Quick. So I want to get back into that text again. Psalms 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord, the reverence of God, is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his, his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. So we're admonished to get wisdom. But Amnon goes and gets wisdom from his cousin who has earthly wisdom. And in getting the wisdom from, from uh, 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 Jonadab, he is ignoring the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is in the law at this particular time. The word of the Lord has been taught to all of the king's kids. But now he's going to substitute the word of the Lord, just like his daddy, for what he wants. He's saying, this, this word of the Lord ain't giving me what I want. So he goes and he, say, he tells his cousin, and his cousin is going to tell, give him a word, and he's going to act on that word. Go one more time. Go back to James, the uh, third chapter again. Let me, let me finish that off. Listen to this. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Watch this last line. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Remember my argument early on about sowing and reaping? There it is again right there. There it is again. Now go back, get, get back over to um, 2 Samuel again so we can keep going. I wanted, I wanted to take the time to show you what, what, why Amnon, one of the reasons why Amnon made his mistake is because he's listening to bad advice. He's, he's going the way of the world. He forsakes the wisdom of God. He forsakes the word of God. 
and he goes and he gets another word from someone else who is, as the Bible said, who's a shrewd dude, who's a smart dude, but he is not of God. What are you learning from this? What are you learning from it? Are you learning that, hey, you know what? Some of the people I've been listening to, they ain't right. And some of the things that I've been doing, based upon the information that I've been getting, it might be feeding my flesh, but it's doing nothing for my spirit. Don't feel bad. You ain't the only one. I've done it too. And I'm supposed to have some sense. Okay. So, Amnon said to him, I'm in love. I'm at verse, uh, I'm at the B portion of verse 4. And I'm going to keep going. Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my, my brother Absalom's sister. So here's the plan. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat from her hand. So Amnon laid down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight, and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it, took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me, my sister. I need to stop there and just, just fill in some blanks real quick before we go forward. And again, I, let's be very sensitive in through here. Be prayerful in through here just in case there's somebody who's experienced this, this thing and it's, it's, it, and it's painful for them, Okay. David goes along with the request and sends his son, uh, he sends his daughter in to his son. Now, you have to understand that women weren't very valued in those days. The other thing that you need to understand in this passage about this bread, because I know some of you are saying, well, now, what kind of bread that was so important that you, somebody, well, what it was was, um, sometimes when you were ill, they would make bread and they would put special herbs in it to help you feel better. And this is what we believe that he, that, that he sent to do, that she sent to make this bread, this special bread for him, put these herbs in them and feed the, this bread that's been baked and, 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 and to give it to him so it could help him heal. But he's got sinister motives. And the thing about David is David didn't see what was about to happen to him because he had forgot the word of God and he couldn't believe that this is going to happen, that the crown prince, that the heir apparent, that the one called faithful, that's what his name means, was going to be so unfaithful to his family and to his God. But that is exactly what's getting ready to happen. And so, go on in, let's go. He says, Send every, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back to verse 9b. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. And she says, don't, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? 
And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her, and since he was stronger than she, he raped her. What is her plea? First of all, she says, don't, brother, we are too close. Now, what do you mean we are too close? She is reciting to him the law. Look at Leviticus chapter 18. Flip over there. You see, there are ways that things are supposed to be done, and the king's children of all should be the example of doing things right. But here's a boy who ain't going to pay no attention to it because something is wrong with her. 1811. Do not, Leviticus 18, verse 11. This is the law that they were living under at the time. Do not have sexual relations with the daughter of your father's wife born to your father. She is your sister. What does she say here? Don't, my brother. What does he say? Come to bed with me, my sister. A violation of the law. And as he violates the law, he places himself under a curse. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 27. Flip over. Deuteronomy chapter 27. You see, it's important that we understand what is going on and what's going through this young girl's mind as, and how she's literally trying to save her brother, even though he is so, he's getting ready to, try to, he's getting ready to violate her. 27, verse 22. Deuteronomy, oh, I'm on 28. 27, verse 22. Cursed is the man who sleeps with his sister, the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. Then all the people shall say, Amen. This was the, one of the curses given from Mount Ebal. Mm hmm. This is one of the curses that is that's given out uh, during 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 the time when the law was being handed down. So number one, she's warning him: you breaking the law. And number two, he should have been reminded: if I do this, I'm placing myself under a curse. Mm -hmm. Now, she says, and then she goes on to say, um, she says. Don't force me. Don't do this wicked thing. Because then you become Nabal. That's the word for fool, Nabal. And we are reminded of the fate of Nabal. Last time we met, met a Nabal with Abigail, when Nabal decided that he was not going to, to repay the kindness of David. I mean, it's right there in front of us sometimes. David... Here David had presented Abigail's ex-husband with goodness, and instead of giving back goodness, he gave him evil. And evil stuck with Nabal for the little bit of time that he had left. And so now uh, uh, Tamar is trying to tell him, look, you're going to be like him. You've already placed yourself under a curse. Don't do this. But the thing that stands out in her plea that never re reached the hard-hearted boy was this. He says, where, she says, where, this is verse 13, what about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? You're about to shame me. I'm the king's daughter. I have kept the law. I have kept myself. And now you're going to take away from me the opportunity to have a royal marriage. You see, because that was one of the things, you know, they were constantly, kings were constantly making alliances 
and they use their daughters, they put their daughters in great situations, the daughter would become the, the wife of another king or the daughter would become the wife of a noble. And she was going to be disqualified from that because she had lost her virginity. Not only that, but he was, he was going to expose her possibly, possibly to death, the penalty of death. Go over to uh, Deuteronomy 22. Has she been presented at, to someone as a, per, as a virgin and they found out that she wasn't one? The penalty that's described in Deuteronomy 22 is you take her out and stone her. Had, had she been put that, you know, I, my time is, I'm, I'm running out of time. I'll just give you the verses and then you read it. Uh, read from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22, uh, verse, thir verse 13. Okay, verse 13. That's where you want to read. Read all of that. That, that, that captures it. That basically, she lose, if she loses her virginity is, and she goes along with his little program and walks away, then, you know, if she ever got married and they came back and said, this, this girl wasn't a virgin, and the father couldn't prove that she was, they're supposed to take her out and stone her. So he's putting her in all kinds of danger. And so she's, he's disgracing her. He's taking away her future. He's labeling her all because he said he loves her. He says, consider me. You're taking my dignity. You're corrupting me. You're taking my future. And you, you're going to be like a fool. Don't do this wicked thing. And then look what happens. He says, but he refused to listen to her, and since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Now watch this. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of here and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing a richly ornamented robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornamented robe she was wearing. She put her hand on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. He not, he not only violated her, but he humiliated her. And notice his reaction to her, this girl that he thought he loved so much. He discovers that he don't love her. As a matter of fact, he says he hated her more than he ever loved her. I want to show you again, and then I'm going to start showing you why he just like his daddy in a minute. Turn over to James chapter 1. Remember, we, and this is something that we talked about already, but I'm, drawing, I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting there everything so I could finish this, this lesson off. James chapter 1. Here it is. Verse 14. Uh, let me let me let me start at 3 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. James chapter 1, verse 12, excuse me. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who loved him. 
When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, watch this now, by his own evil desire. That's what that was. That's what he was experiencing. That's what Amnon was experiencing. His own evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, now we don't have to walk walk back through that passage again, do we? Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. When sin has conceived. But where does it start out with? It starts out with our own evil desire. What happened? He said it was love, but it was actually just his own overwhelming desire. The boy had a Jones, and he let that Jones loose, and he he figured out a way to get what he wanted, even though he was frustrated, he was bound by the law. He knew the rules, and he said, I can't find a way to get out of. That was our tip-off right there. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm bound because I can't find a way to get out of And in reality, I am just like my daddy. What do you mean? What did his daddy do? His daddy opened the door to the sin that he now commits. Because what did his daddy do just a chapter ago? His daddy saw something that was not his. He knew it wasn't his. Because what did he do? He saw Bathsheba and he asked the question, who is that? They came back and said, that's your boy's wife. End of conversation. No, sinful. He crosses the line. He didn't rape her, but this is the king, and the the, the text doesn't say it, and maybe she was flattered with him. I don't know. I really don't. And so I can't say how she responded because the Bible doesn't tell her. But it doesn't tell us that he raped her. There was something that went on, and if he didn't know that it was illegal, she knew it was illegal. And he has stepped outside the boundaries and parents and parents and parents. It is so important for us when we learn the right way to do stuff that we do it. We cannot continue to know the word of the Lord but make excuses for our sinful behavior. And you know our cop out. The Lord know my heart. Yes, he does know your heart. But you don't understand the thing that you are doing, you are saying something out of your mouth, doing something different, and what you are doing is you are devaluing the word of the Lord in front of your children. You are not honoring God. Amnon didn't honor God. David didn't honor God. What did he, what did he, what did he say? You didn't honor my word. Here's what David did, and now God's word is still active because he pronounced that curse upon David's household. He said, the sword is never going to depart from your house. Why? Because you returned evil for good, and now it's going to the next generation. And we talk a lot about generational curses. Those things are not... Uh, Those things are learned. Those are behaviors that we teach our children. 
We teach our children. We can take them to church all day long, but if we don't model in front of them and walk in the word and walk up right before God, what do you think your kid going to do? Well, my mama go to church on Sunday morning. My daddy go to church on Sunday morning, and then he go to Miss Mabel's house in the afternoon. What do you think your son going to do? You, you, you're saying that you're singing righteousness, but you're a homonger. And so what do you think your son or your daughter going to be? Same thing. Mm. Oh, God. When we don't do what the Lord tells us to do, when we don't walk in the word, we open up ourselves to a curse. Amnon, David, opened up his family to a curse. And the actions of Amnon mirror the actions of David, and he's acting just like his daddy. Mm -hmm. Now, I know I, I got children, and I pray that they overcame some of my bad habits. You know, the older you get, the, the more you understand what you did. Now, I, we did, I did some right stuff, but I'm constantly looking at my children and talking to them because I know that I did some wrong stuff. And the good news is for us, well, let me, let me finish this before I tell you the good news. She's defiled. She goes weeping. There's no remedy for her at this particular point. Because she can't get married like she wanted to. She can't, you know, do all the things that she expected to do. Her brother Absalom said to her, verse 20, Has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? He knows something's wrong. Be quiet now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. When King David heard all this, he was furious. Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. So now hatred is in the family. Hatred has been introduced into the family. But more than that, beyond the hatred, there's also, there's also, David is seeing that he's reaped what he sows. Now, the, there was a penalty for what Amnon did. The penalty was 50 shekels of silver. The Bible says, I think it's uh, Deuteronomy, uh, I think that's 27 also. Deuteronomy chapter 27. You'll see it because I'm running out of time. Go over to Deuteronomy chapter 27, read that chapter, and you'll see that when you, when you, when you took a virgin by force like that, you were responsible to pay 50 shekels of silver, but this was nothing to a king's child. You see, when I was studying this thing, I said, aren't they supposed to stone He told him, he says, no, the Bible says no, he can pay 50 shekels of silver. And David is frustrated because he, he's not going to be able to do anything about this because 50 shekels of silver wasn't going to wasn't going to restore that girl's honor. Fifty shekels of silver wasn't going to do it. And even though earlier on we said that go ask the king and the king will let you marry me, that wasn't possible because, like we read before, you can't marry your sister. That was an illicit relationship. So David is hemmed in by his own sin. That's the law. And so Absalom does the best he can for his sister, and that is his, that him and, they are blood sisters. They have the same mother and father, by the way. Uh, Makar is their mother. And because of this, he takes her in the home, he provides for her, and he pr provides protection for her. But she never gets she never has her dreams fulfilled. You know, 
I can say this to you tonight. Even though we run into situations, these impossible situations, we have the grace of God. And God is able to heal us from these tragic events. I so hurt for Tamar, and I so hurt for those who have been disgraced in the way in, in this manner. And the word of the Lord tonight is that God is a healer. God is a healer. And if you would open up your heart, if you open up your heart, let God heal you from this thing. But more than that, for us who have sinned, even in our sin, God has provided a sacrifice for us. Just like he made atonement for David's sin, God has made atonement for our sin. As wicked as Absalom, um, not Absalom, but Amnon is, as wicked as we have been at times, God has provided atonement for our sins. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I know that, that we end tonight on a down note. But I want you to know that I don't care what kind of pit you're in, I don't care what kind of sin you've committed, that God will forgive your sin. As a matter of fact, let me say it the right way. God has forgiven your sin. It's up to us to come to him and lay it out in front of him and say, God, look what I did. Look what I did. It's me and me only. Amnon doesn't do this. Amnon just puts out and says, get out of here. I hate you. But we're not going to do that because we have grace. We have the grace of God that's staring us in the face. And we should come to him. And the, the, the law teaches us of the things of, the, of our need for Jesus Christ. And we need him tonight. Oh, God, how we need him. Because God wants to forgive us. He doesn't want us to continue on in sin. We, we don't have to walk in a curse. Because Jesus became a curse for us. For the Bible says, cursed is every man that hangs on the tree. And Jesus hung on that tree to take the curse away from us. And that's what I want to leave us with tonight, that we can depend on Jesus. We don't have to continue to go the way of Amnon. We don't have to walk in a generational curse. We don't have to walk in a curse that we brought upon ourselves because of the law. But instead, we can confess and receive the grace of God. I'm leaving us there. We don't have to be like the devil. We don't have to be, because our Father is not the devil. Our Father is Jesus, uh, excuse me, our Father is God the Father, who's provided a way for us through his Son, Jesus Christ. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, I want to stop there. I want to stop there. I want to stop right there. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. I thank you tonight for those who have been with us in the Bible study and received the word on Wednesday. I pray that you speak to their hearts tonight that you would bless them, that you would cause them to look at the way that they are going, cause them to make sure that they're not walking foolishly, cause them to look and, and not take the counsel of the world, but instead seek out the wisdom that comes from above. 
Because your word says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberally and upbraideth not. O God, send wisdom from above that we might walk upright before you, that we might honor you with our lives, that we might honor you with our words, that we might honor you with our worship. God, how we bless you and how we praise you. Hallelujah. We thank you tonight. Now speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I thank you for being with me tonight, and I pray that we'll continue next week with the word on Wednesday. Uh, And I pray that God would just shower you down with peace and love and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful night, and God bless you.